Mark chapter 4 verse 17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 9.35, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming, listen to me, the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, the story of the kingdom. And notice what happened. The Bible says when Jesus began to speak about the kingdom, there was something that was accessed in the kingdom. Notice what it says. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. Then he healed the sick and cast out demons. In other words, when you access the kingdom, when you open up the door of the kingdom, there are things inside the kingdom that produce life for us, that produces things that we need. It accesses God's power. It accesses God's grace. It accesses God's purpose for our life. It accesses the things that God wants to give us. Why? Because he wants us to build his kingdom. Now, I want you to notice something. To see, the truth is a lot of Christians believe that God exists to expand their kingdom. So they go to a church, they go to a conference, and they want to hear the preacher tell them how you can access God's kingdom so it can advance your kingdom. But that's not what God ever taught us. That's not what Jesus taught us. Jesus taught us that we're to seek first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And as we seek his kingdom, not our kingdom, God gives us what we need. You take care of God's world and God will always take care of your world. You seek God's kingdom and God will take care of your world. Come on, somebody say amen. So it's really not. This life is not about expanding our kingdom. This life is actually about expanding. God's kingdom. And if we understand that, if we live for that, if we're passionate about God's kingdom, then God's kingdom power, then God's kingdom provision will be in our life. You seek his kingdom and he gives you what you need, right? And so if you notice everywhere in the scriptures, Jesus was going about teaching and preaching the kingdom. Listen to what it says, Luke chapter 4 verse 43. And he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. I was sent for what purpose? To preach the kingdom of God. And so what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is God's rule and God's reign over all things. The kingdom of God is God's power and authority over all things. But you might say, well, when I look at the world, I don't see God's kingdom and God's power in this world. What I see is evil. What I see is sin. What I see is darkness. Well, notice what God says in his economy. He says the ruler of this what? The ruler of this age. What do, we, what do you mean by the age? Well, he's talking about this dispensation of time. God is a very wise God, and God knows exactly what he's doing. And in this dispensation of time, God has released the enemy. But I want you to know that God tells his believers, his disciples, that we are to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, thy, what, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. So we need to be, we need to be passionate about seeing the kingdom of God come. We need to see, we need to be passionate about seeing the kingdom of God advanced in this world. We need to pray to that end that every day we wake up and we say, Our Father who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we are passionate about the kingdom of God. We are passionate about advancing the kingdom of God. And I want you to notice something. Everywhere in scripture, Jesus likens things to the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a woman who lost something. The kingdom of God is like a king who went out on a journey and he brought his servants together and entrusted them and gave them something to be stewards of. The kingdom of God is like a little leaven. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is like this and like that. Why? Because Jesus is consumed with one thing. He's consumed with the kingdom of God. He's consumed with the rule of God's kingdom. He's consumed with the principles of God's kingdom. He's consumed with the advancement of God's kingdom. He's consumed with the establishment of God's kingdom. He is even consumed with the coming of God's kingdom. And friend, I want I want you to make no mistake, even though the world looks evil, even though it looks dark, there's coming a day when King Jesus is coming again and he will establish and reestablish and reaffirm his authority over all things. It's just a short time. It's a season where man has free will, but there's coming a day when the kingdom of God will be established on this earth. Come on, somebody, help me out. Did I come to the right church today? Did, 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 did I come to Bethlehem Assembly of God today? And so what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is not just the rule of God's kingdom over all things, but it's really the kingdom, the kingdom that lives inside of us. King Jesus lives inside of us. And Jesus is the personification of the kingdom. And because Jesus lives inside of us, then the kingdom of God has come to us. Notice what he said. He said, repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. Then he said to his disciples, the kingdom of God is within you. Hmm? He said, it, it is with you, the spirit is with you, but now he is in you. And where the spirit is, there is the kingdom of God. So the truth is, the kingdom of God is revealed and made available to those who have the access code. More narrowly, the truth of the matter is the kingdom of God is, is the spiritual rule over the hearts and lives of those who willingly submit to God's authority. Wow. So the kingdom of God is really a spiritual rule over those that have decided to allow the king to rule in their heart. Those who defy God's authority and refuse to submit to him are not a part of God's kingdom. In contrast, those who acknowledge the lordship of Christ and gladly surrender to God's rule in their hearts are part of the kingdom of God. In this sense, the kingdom of God is spiritual. Jesus said the kingdom was not of this world. His kingdom was not of this world. And he preached the repentance that was necessary so that we can access the kingdom of God. So through repentance, we access the kingdom of God. But I want to talk to you for a few moments about what it means to live by faith. Why? Because in order to access even repentance, to order, in order to access salvation, in order to access eternal life, in order to access the kingdom of God, we have to have faith in our life. I want everybody to say faith is the access code to God's kingdom in my life. Say that with me. I want you to listen to me for a moment. Everything we believe, everything that we are, everything that we receive, everything that we do, 
everything that we endure in our life, everything we long for in our life, everything that we enjoy in the kingdom of God comes by faith. The Bible tells us that by faith, we believe that God exists. In fact, if you look at Hebrews chapter 11, and some people call it the hall of faith, we look at a group of people, and it starts off with a definition of faith. But then the Bible says that faith gives us the ability to believe that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the, the writer of Hebrew tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it's impossible to please God without what? Faith. And so the Bible tells us the righteous will live every single day of their life by faith, right? So it takes faith. It takes faith to believe that God exists. It takes faith to believe that when I get down and pray, that even though I can't see God visibly, I know he's listening to me. I know he's there. I know he doesn't leave me nor forsake me. It takes faith to be able to pray and believe that God is not only listening to me, but that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek after me. It takes faith to open up God's word. It takes faith to read God's word and believe this is God's word. This is the infallible, inerrant word of God. Every word that I read in here applies to my life and I live it out literally. It takes faith to do that. It takes faith to give of our resources. It takes faith to tithe. I tithe because I believe that God's word tells me that as I begin to tithe, I advance the kingdom of God and as an outworking of God's grace in my life, he gives back to me, pressed down and shaken together and running over. I know some people say, well, when God really begins to bless me, then I'll start to tithe. No, 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 no. You start to tithe and then you'll see the blessings of God. Well, I don't have the resources sources to do it. You know what? If you can't tie the penny on a dime, you're not going to tie $100 on a thousand. Why? Because he who's faithful in the little, God will give you more. Come on. See, see, our whole life is all about faith. Accessing the kingdom of God by faith. You know, in fact, you can't be saved without faith. You cannot come into the kingdom of God and have eternal life without faith. I want you to notice what the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says, by grace, through faith, you have been saved, right? By grace, through faith, right? So faith doesn't get you saved. Faith is the key that unlocks the door that accesses the grace of God. And what is grace? Grace is God giving us what we need, when we need it, even though we don't deserve it. God's grace is God's favor on our life so that God is treating us like sons and daughters now. Even though we deserve the wrath of God, even though we deserve to be punished, even though we need to be, we deserve to be cut out of the kingdom of God. God, like that story in the Bible of the prodigal son, God sees us afar off and he opens his arms to us and he extends his love and forgiveness to us and by grace we have access into God and by grace we have, uh, we have peace with God through faith and so that our faith then unlocks the door of God's grace and grace is God giving us redemption even though we don't deserve it. God is, God's grace is God giving us peace with God even though we don't deserve it. God is giving us all that we need. God gives us his grace, his mercy, his love, his compassion, everything that we have, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, gentleness, whatever it may be. He gives us all of that by his grace, but we cannot access his grace. We cannot get his grace unless we do it through faith. So we've got to know what faith is. 
And the writer of Hebrews tells us that faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, is being sure of the things that we hope for. It is being certain of the things that we cannot see. So what is faith? Faith is substance. Faith says, I, I'm not only hoping that God will save me, but I know that I know that if I put my trust in Christ alone, then I will have eternal life. Hope says, I hope that God loves me. Faith says, no, I know that God loves me. Therefore, I receive the love of God. Hope says, I hope that Jesus is the only way. Faith says, no, Jesus is the only way. Hope says, I hope that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Faith says, no, 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 I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And I place my trust in him and him alone. Hope says, I hope that Jesus is going to heal me. Faith says, no, I know, but by his stripes I have been healed. Hope says, I hope that God's going to take me to the end. And faith says, no, I know what Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, I am confident of this very thing. He that begun a good work in me will complete it. Hope says, I hope that God's going to walk through this trial with me. And faith says, I know that God will never leave me nor forsake me. And nothing will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. Hope says, I hope there's something after this. I hope there's something after this life. I hope I'm doing all of this for, for something in my life. I hope that as I'm storing my treasures in heaven, there's a real heaven. And faith says, no, 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 no. I know that there's a real heaven. I I know that there's a God. I know I'm going to face God one day. And I know that if I keep on storing my treasures in heaven, one day God's going to say, it's all yours, my son. It's all yours, my daughter. Why? Because hope says, I hope it's going to happen. Faith says, it will happen. Come on, somebody. Say amen. And God is not telling you to live by hope. He's telling you to live by faith. And guess what happens? When you begin to live by faith, then you start obeying God's word. You start trusting in God's word. And when you start obeying God's word, you start to see the fruit of your labor. You start to sow good seed. And when you sow good seed, guess what? You wait for the harvest. Why? Because you know that you know that you know that if I'm going to sow the right thing, the right thing's going to come back to me. Why? Because man should not ever mock God. Whatsoever a man sows, he also reaps. So your whole life as a Christian is all about faith. It's all about recognizing that there's one king, one master over one kingdom, and that you're obedient and submissive to that king because you know that you know that the, the outcome of your faith will be life transforming. That's why James says the outcome of your faith is going to be glorious. Amen? So, so the Bible tells us by faith we believe that God exists. By faith, we know that God created the heavens and the earth. By faith, we know that God wants to have a personal relationship with us. By faith, we have peace with God, Romans chapter 5. By faith, we, we accept the gift of eternal life, Ephesians 2. By faith, we experience the blessings of God in our life. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that faith is the door that unlocks the miraculous. And unbelief actually closes the door to the miraculous. And all. I mean, just think of it for a moment. Here's Jesus Jesus, who is the God of the universe, I think we, we, we should never forget that Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that, that with one word, Jesus created all things. Think about that. Jesus created all things. Colossians chapter 1. In him and by him and for him, all things were created and all things are held together. So that he might have supremacy over all things. That's Jesus. Now notice Jesus comes to earth. And he, he goes about healing the sick. 
He goes about raising the dead. And now he comes to his own hometown, and the Bible says he could not do any great miracle because of their unbelief. Can you imagine for the moment? Was it that God could not? Was it that Christ could not? Or was it that their unbelief shut the door on their own miracles in their own lives? They refused to access what God was offering them. Can you imagine that? And I think there are many Christians that actually refuse to access what God actually has for them because of their unbelief. Unbelief slams the door closed. Faith opens the door to the kingdom in our life. And so, so as we look at faith, Jesus gives us some principles about faith in our life. Matthew chapter 11 or Mark chapter 11, verse 22. If you want to turn to it, Mark 11, 22. Jesus says, have faith in God. So here's what I want to do this afternoon just for a few moments, all right? For a few moments, I want to give you some principles of faith, and I want to give you some ways in which you can activate your faith so that you can activate the kingdom of God in your life. Number one, Matthew or Mark chapter 11, verse 22. The first principle, write this down, is the object of your faith, the object of your faith will determine the outcome of your faith. The object of your faith will determine the outcome of your faith. So here's what Jesus is saying to us, that who we put our faith in and what we put our faith in will determine the outcome of our faith. And so Jesus is not saying have faith in faith. He's not saying have faith in the pastor, because if you have faith in the pastor and not the master, you're going to be very disappointed. He's not, he's not saying have faith in your good works. He's not saying have faith in trying really hard to believe. You know, what he's saying is, is have faith in God. Why is that important? Because too many Christians are having faith in something other than God in their life. They're depending on their good works. They're depending on, you know, reading the Bible and praying and coming to church. If, if I could somehow build up my faith, if I could somehow get the right formula for faith in my life, then God will bless me. But they're forgetting that the object of their faith must be Jesus and Jesus alone. All Jesus. It's not some Jesus. It's not partial Jesus and your works. No. It's all by grace that you're saved. It's all by grace that God accesses the kingdom to you. It's all by grace that you're able to see the great things of God in your life. But the object of your faith must be in Jesus. So let me ask you a question. Are you really believing in Jesus today? Is your faith on Christ alone? Not on everything else but Christ, but on Christ alone. Why? Because here's what happens when you start to make Jesus the object of total faith in your life. Then all you really need to see the miraculous in your life, all you really need to see God do great things in your life and access the kingdom of God is a seed of faith. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, have faith in God. And if you have faith in God, why is it important to have faith in God? Because if you have faith in God, then all you need is a mustard seed of faith. Why? Because now your faith is in the right thing. It's in the right person. It's in God. And because God is so mighty, God is so powerful, God is all-powerful, God is omniscient, he's all-knowing, God is omnipresent, he's everywhere. 
With God, all things are possible. Why? Because God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. God is the alpha and omega. He's the beginning and the end. God is the author of all things. He's the author and finisher of your faith. God is the one who made all things come to play. And if God can do that, if God can create the heavens and the earth, if God can create the universe, if God can do all these things, then all it takes, listen to me, is a, a little, minor, small little amount of faith in a big God. See, most of us want to have a tremendous amount of faith in a small God. But all you need to have is a small amount of faith in a great God. Why? Because a great God can take that little faith and move a mountain in your life. Notice what Jesus said. He said, if you have the faith like a grain of mustard seed, you can move a mountain. I was in, I was in Cuba, and you talk about God moving mountains. Cuba's a communist country. And the leadership in Cuba told the people, don't gather in churches anymore years ago. And so they tried to keep them from actually gathering in churches. And so they started gathering in their homes. And they started building home churches, house churches. These house churches, some of them are bigger than this building right here. There's more people in some of the house churches than there are people in America, in, in churches in America. And God is doing, doing a tremendous work in Cuba. And so we're building 10 churches in Cuba. And I dedicated two of the churches. And right at the last moment, God gave me a word for this one church. And it was filled with young people. And uh, I talked about the seed that's inside of them. The seed of faith that's inside of them. And, and so the wife, she ran into the kitchen because the house is connected to the church. And she brought a, a, a jar of mustard seed. And I, and I explained to these young people, like I'm going to explain to you right now, that a, a mustard seed, listen to me, a mustard seed is the smallest of seeds. In fact, it's so small that I was placing it in the hands of kids. And if your hand is not as white as mine, it gets lost in your hand. I mean, it's so tiny that you can't even see it. But I want you to understand how powerful that seed really is. Do you know that God created seed and within that seed is all the intelligence and wisdom of God in that seed? I mean, can you imagine? God plant, God gave us the mustard seed. And in that mustard seed, listen to me, in that mustard seed is the potential to bring, to bring a harvest. I mean, that one little tiny seed can create a tree. And that tree can create another tree and another tree. And that tree can create a forest. Think about the seed in the beginning. Read Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, and you'll see the power of the seed. The Bible says God created all things, and he created the seed to bear more fruit, the seed to bear more vegetable. He even gave the man a seed, and he told the man, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. You talk about powerful seed. All of us in this room came from that one man's seed. Come on, somebody. That's the power of one seed. Why am I saying that? Because when you have the seed of God inside of you, you can have a harvest in your life. All you need is that little seed. Come on, somebody. And every one of us in this room have that seed inside of us. Because principle number two is that you have already faith on the inside. You have enough faith on the inside to move mountains in your life. If you're a born-again Christian, you have enough faith to do great things in your life. You know what? I say it every week. I say it when you get a phone call from me. How many of you get phone calls from me, right? And, and what do I say? I always say, here's what's going on. And don't forget, God, listen to me. I believe it with everything inside of me that every single person in this room 
has a seed of greatness on the inside, and God has a plan for your life, and it's big. I believe it with all my heart. You know why I believe that? Because I believe the moment that you gave your life to the Lord, I know the moment that you gave your life to the Lord, the kingdom of God came inside of you. Jesus came to reside inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, then you've got enough faith to move mountains in your life. You've got enough faith to see God do great things in your life. That's why I believe God has a plan for your life. And it's big. Because the God that created all things lives inside of you. I mean, think about the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the, the fruit of the Spirit, the characteristics of the Spirit is love. Don't tell me you can't love. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside. Don't tell me you can't forgive somebody. You have the Holy Spirit that gives you power on the inside to accomplish that which God tells you to do. You have joy. You have peace. But you also have faith. In one translation, it says faithfulness, but in the Greek, it's actually the word faith. So you've got faith. You've got a seed of faith already on the inside. You've got enough seed to change your life. You've got enough seed to see God do great things through your life. See, I believe the difference between some Christians that are doing great things and some Christians that are doing nothing is that those Christians that are doing something believe with all their heart that there's enough faith inside of them. There's enough seed of greatness on the inside that they take God at his word and they step out in obedience. And obedience always brings blessing. But even though you have that seed of faith on the inside, God always gives you a seed and requires that you steward the seed. Notice what God tells Adam. He says, Adam, here's everything. And here's the seed. Now I want you to go and plant the seed in the ground, and I want you to steward the seed. Notice what he tells Adam. I want you to rule over the gardens. I want you to till the gardens. I want you to tend to the garden. And friend, I want you to know the sad thing with most Christians is they've got enough seed. They've got enough of everything that God wants to put inside of them, but they don't steward that which God has given them well. And that's the reason why. They're not operating in the things that God wants them to operate in. I mean, I, I want you to notice a story in the Bible. Jesus is going about preaching the kingdom of God. And as a result of preaching the kingdom of God, he's healing the sick. Now, he wants to teach his disciples. He tells his disciples, the kingdom of God is with you. The spirit of God is with you, but it, it will be in you. That's, that's, that's power. I mean, when we think about Pentecost, listen to me. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And why is that important? Because over 2,000 years ago, on Pentecost Sunday, there was a group of 120 people, a little less than what we have in this room today. And they gathered in an upper room, and they were fearful of another kingdom. They were fearful of the Roman kingdom, and they're cowering in the upper room. And the Bible says that suddenly the Spirit of God came upon them, and they were empowered with the seed of God's power. The Bible says when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you will receive dunamis power and you'll be my witnesses. In other words, you'll take that seed from one place to the next place to the next place. And you know why Pentecost Sunday is so powerful? Because over 2,000 years ago, there was a group of 120 people. That's it. That's what made up the church, 120 people. And today, there are millions of believers in Africa and Asia and around the world. And God is doing a great work. Why? Because there was a group of people that were crying out to God. They might have been afraid. And God's kingdom 
kingdom came inside of them and they steward God's kingdom in such a way that they change the world. Oh, I didn't hear that. They changed the world because they believed that the kingdom of God was in them. And now Jesus, he's going about healing the sick. He's going about raising the dead. And why is he doing that? Because he wants to show his disciples who he was. Now, can you imagine if, if, if I healed the sick and raised the dead? After a little while, you'd think, okay, there's the power of God there, right? Well, these guys saw Jesus raise the dead a couple of times. They saw Jesus heal the sick many times. They saw Jesus with one word cast out demons. You'd think after a while their faith would grow. You'd think after a while they'd go, man, this guy can do everything. Now they're in a boat. And the Bible says that the waves are crashing against the boat. And they say, we're going to die. That was their words that came out of their mouth. They didn't say, hey, man, we got to go get Jesus so Jesus can come and calm the water. They said they ran to Jesus and they said, Jesus, all we're concerned about is one thing. We're going to die and you don't care about us. They said, don't you care that we're going to die? And notice what Jesus says. He gets up and he looks at them and says, where is your faith? In other words, after seeing all the things that I did, you should have took all that I did, you should have harbored it in your heart, you should have developed your faith so that when you come to this place in your life where there's a situation where you're, you're really all up against the odds and you don't know what to do, instead of panicking, instead of saying we're going to die, you're going to say, no, no, I've seen God do it before. He'll do it again. I know that God is faithful. I know that God raises the dead. I know that God causes the lame the world. I know that God provided for me yesterday. He'll provide for me again. You see, there's there's too many Christians that are panicking when they shouldn't panic. Why? Because they haven't developed their faith. You see, you don't develop your faith in the fire. You develop your faith before the fire so that when you're in the fire, you know how to react to the situation. Come on, somebody. And there's too many people that they just don't know how to react when the problems come, when the trials come, when the uh, cold black comes, when the emergency comes. They panic because they don't know what to do. But I'm here to tell you that if you take that seed and you develop that seed, and you take that seed, and you develop your faith. When those times come, you'll be like those three Hebrew boys. You can throw me in the fire, but I want you to know this one thing. I know that my God can deliver me, and if he chooses not to deliver me, I'll not bow to you. Why? Because my faith is strong. It's not a faith that just says God got to deliver me. It's a faith that says God will deliver me one way or the other. Come on, somebody. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us there were some that were saved. Listen to me. You just don't have faith so that you can get out of stuff. You got faith so that you can go through stuff. Say that again. Because God isn't going to always promise you that your faith is going to create a deliverance moment. Sometimes God's just going to let you go through the fire. Why? Because he knows it brings him more glory. He knows that God's going to do something through that situation in your life. Come on, somebody. So faith, is, faith goes far beyond just rescuing you. Hebrews chapter 11. Some, they saw their dead come back to life. Some, they were rescued from the sword and from persecution. Others, they weren't. But they were all living by faith. So, so let me suggest to you, you've got a seed of faith. And that faith is on the inside. But how you steward that seed of faith is going to determine whether or not you're accessing the kingdom of God in your life. So I, I want you to notice 
Second Peter chapter 1, as the worship team comes, they're going to just stand out here to give you hope that I'm going to end. But, but listen, listen. I, I want you to notice 2 Peter chapter 1. Listen to what it says. 2 Peter chapter 1 says, His divine power has given us everything we need to live a life of godliness. His, listen, look what it says. Look, look at me. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Look at, listen what he says here. He says, his divine power has given us everything we need to live a life of godliness. We've got everything we need on the inside. He's prepared us and equipped us for every good work. He says, for what reason? So that we might be participants of his divine glory or divine nature. And he says, through these great promises, so that through them you might participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Wow. He's saying, now you become a divine participator in his divine nature. But, verse 5. For this reason, look what he says, for this reason, add to your faith. So he says, you've got what it takes on the inside. Now, you've got to do something about it. You've got a responsibility. Why? Because James says it this way, faith without works is dead. So you could say you've got faith to move mountains, but if you don't add to your faith, the things that God wants to add to your faith, you're never going to see your faith grow and you're never going to access the kingdom of God. So Peter says, add to your faith, develop your faith. So what, what am I saying today? What I'm saying is every one of us in this room, we've got a seed of faith. Now, I said it in the first. I said it in the second. I said it in the third. And every time I said it, I said, I'm, I, maybe I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it now. Some of you are pathetic. I'm just going to be honest. I'm starting to sound like Pastor Henry now. You're pathetic. Do you know why you're pathetic? Because God lives inside of you. Because you are a participant of the divine nature. Because you have been given everything you need to live a life of godliness. Because God has given you a seed of faith. And you sit there. You come into my office. And you say, I can't do this. And I can't do that. And I won't do this. And God won't do that for me. And that, my friend, is simply pathetic. Because why? Because you should know who you are and you should take that faith, that seed of faith, and you should develop it so that you can be all that God wants you to be. So if I get you mad today, you can get good and mad and get off your, mm -mm -mm, and get to doing what God has called you to do. You know why it's pathetic? Because God has given you, given me everything I need. Don't you feel sorry for yourself? I'm, I'm going to say it again. Some of you are pathetic because you feel sorry for yourself. Because you will not allow God to take what God has given you, good and bad, and cause your faith to grow. So how do you make your faith grow? What do you do to add to your faith? Let me challenge you today. Number one, quickly. You add to your faith by getting into his word. You have faith. 
But now you have to nourish that faith. And nothing, listen to me, look at me. Nothing nourishes your faith more than when you're in his word. The word of God is active. It's alive. And when you begin to take God's word and hide it in your heart, that seed of faith begins to grow. It begins to explosively, synergetically grow in your life. Why? Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. I want to challenge you. Coming to church once a week is not enough. I know you come to church once a week. You say, okay, Pastor Steve's going to feed me. And when I stop feeding you or when you, you said, I heard that one, heard that one, I got to move on to another church because I'm not getting fed anymore. Listen to me. It's not my job to feed you. My job is to inspire you so that you'll go home and feed yourself. So stop being lazy. Pick up the fork and eat the word of God every day. You come to Grow University. I'm telling you, I challenge you, everybody in this church should be in Grow University. Everyone should come out on Wednesday night and be trained in God's word. I mean, I'm telling you, God showed me. And, and guess what? In the next couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to be rolling it out that we're going deeper in Sunday school for our children. I mean, I'm telling you, we're revamping the whole uh, Sunday school program for children. And I'll tell you why. Not because it's not good now, but because we need a lot of workers because we have a vision that we're going to start training our children in God's word so that when they are older, they will not depart from the faith. We're going to, we are going to get the word inside of them because that word is going to keep them strong. That word is going to ignite faith inside of them. So, so we get into the word. Let me tell you, it all goes down a few things, boils down a few things. Get into prayer, man. You cannot have faith, strong faith, without having a, a prayer life. I'm telling you now, I, I, somebody told me, Pastor Steve, don't tell people they have to pray every day. It's just too much for them. No, it ain't. That's, that's like telling people, listen, you don't have to eat every day. No, just eat once a week. Don't offend anybody. Just eat once a week. No, you pray because as you read the word and you pray, your faith goes deeper. I love the story of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat's a king. Already he's got a problem. His name is Jehoshaphat. If I had that name, I'd change it. I mean, that's a problem in itself. But the Bible says that he gets word from his advisors that five kings are coming against him. Notice what Jehoshaphat does. He doesn't panic. See, when you're growing your faith in prayer, you don't panic. When you already have a prayer life, you don't start developing your prayer life when things go bad. You don't start developing your word life when you're in the hospital, when you're in the emergency room, when your husband tells you he's leaving you. You develop all of that so that when any of those things may happen, you're ready for what happens. And so what does Jehoshaphat do? He's ready. He doesn't panic. The other king panicked. He doesn't panic. What does he do? He gets on his face before God and he says, God, I don't know what to do. It's okay to say you don't know what to do. I don't know what to do half the times. I get on my face before God. So I don't know what to do, God, but my eye is on you. Do you know what prayer is? Prayer is keeping your eye on God. I mean, my eye goes all over the place. I'm just, I mean, like I'm, I'm scattered all over the place. But when I go to prayer, man, my eyes on God. And the Bible says he'll keep me in perfect peace when my eyes, my, my mind is stayed on him. So, so number three, we practice mind control. I'm going to tell you, your mind is the gateway. Your mind is the gateway to transformation in your life. Listen what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, he says, be transformed. The word in the Greek is metamorpho, 
We get that word metamorphosis from. He said, be changed, transformed, renewed, energized, become like Christ by the renewing of your mind. I'm going to tell you why some of you are having such a hard time with your faith. Because all you do is watch Oprah and Jerry Springer and all the nonsense. You turn on the radio and you listen to all the nonsense, all the garbage. You, you listen to the news more than you read the word. You just feed your mind. You feed your mind. You're feeding your mind. You're feeding your mind with garbage, 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 garbage. You're feeding mind negative, 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 negative. And then you're wondering why you're having such a hard time with faith in your life. Because the Bible tells us that, that the strongholds of our mind are going to determine the life that we live. And so if I'm strong in the word, then even when bad news comes, I'm strong in my faith. Amen? So we change our mind. Notice what Paul says. Listen what he says. He says, don't panic. Don't be anxious about anything or everything. He says, but with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. And the peace of God will shield your life and you'll operate in faith. Now, I want you to notice what he says in the next verse. He says, as a result of that, think on these things. He says, think on those things that are true and good and uplifting and positive, whatever it is. But he says, set your mind on these things. And so how do you develop your faith? You get into the word. You get into prayer. You actually practice mind control. You make sure that what's going into your mind is feeding your spirit. And therefore, you're absolutely able then to live a life of faith. And lastly, and you can start playing right now because it will really help them to believe that I'm really closing. Here it comes. Here comes the anointing. I don't feel it yet. Here it comes. We're finished now. Getting ready to close. The last thing, powerful, is the truth is there are going to be times in my life, in your life. Have you ever, have you ever struggled with your faith? Is that wrong? Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming down from the mountain and he sees this man who has a demon-possessed son and everybody's panicking because this man had a demon-possessed son and the disciples couldn't cast him out. And the man runs to Jesus and said, Jesus, I, I asked your disciples to cast the demon out, but they couldn't. And Jesus said to him, if you believe, I can do anything. If you believe, I can do anything. And the man said, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. There are, a lot, there are times in all of our lives when we struggle with our faith. I struggle, but I got to tell you something. I have people in my life. I've got a community of people in my life that when they see me struggling, they lift me up. When I'm struggling, they pick me up. When, they struggle, when I'm struggling, they're praying for me. You know what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes? He said, I pity the man who walks this journey alone and has no one to pick him up when they fall. But a threefold cord is not easily broken. And so, friends, if we're going to be people of faith, if we're going to operate in God's kingdom, then we got to love each other enough to talk into each other's life, to mentor each other and be there for each other. So you need to get into a one group. You need to be with the body of Christ. You can't just be doing your own thing. You're never going to be strong. you got to have each other to lean on hard. 
so that when I'm weak, you lift me up. When I'm strong, I lift you up. Let's pray together right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would help us to develop our faith, Lord. God, help us to embrace, Lord God, Father, what you've already done in our lives and develop, oh God. And so if you're here today and you say, Pastor Steve, I'm, I, I need to start my journey of faith. I'm not certain that if I die today, I'd go to heaven. Now, if, if you've already raised your hand and you're going to raise it again, that means you should be in Grow University and Foundations class because you shouldn't be raising your hand again if you raised it before. Because then if you came to Foundations class, you'd learn that you're saved by grace and grace alone. And he's going to finish the work that he started in you. And you never have to worry about your eternal destiny. You may have to pray about your condition. Maybe your disobedience, your rebellion, whatever it is, but not eternity. Eternity is wrapped up in God's grace that's been given to you as a gift. You say, Pastor, I, I'm not certain that if I die today and I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life, I want to put my faith in Christ first before I do anything else. Maybe you've never done that today. You want to do that today. Why don't you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Anybody here today? You say, Pastor, pray for me pray for me. Just raise your hand. I, I see that little hand. I see that little hand. We're going to pray for him. Anybody else? Anybody else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I need Jesus as my Savior, my Lord. Yes, yes. I see anybody else. Anybody else? If you're here today and you raised your hand, we got some altar counselors, we call them. You just come forward. Even if you're a little, little guy, little guy, whoever you are, I want you to come forward and talk to. And mom, dad, I want you to encourage your kids don't, don't say, no, don't do that. They're too busy. Never too busy for kids. But if you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus and you want to see a counselor, I want you to get out of your seat right now and come and see one of the counselors and pray with them right now. They want to pray for you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on quickly. Come on. Come on. Come on quickly. Come on quickly. You could see one of the counselors. See one of the counselors. I want everybody else to stand right now. You're here with me today. How many of you in this place... You're thankful for the faith that God has already put in your life. But you know that you know that you want to go deeper today in your faith. You want to go deeper in your prayer life. You want to go deeper in your word life. Now, it's all by grace. It's all by grace. It's not, it's not like God's going to beat you over the head if you fail. It's all by grace. But you just know that maybe you've gotten sidetracked, but you want to get back on track with your faith today. And you want to begin to develop your faith. If that's you today... I want to pray for you as well. I want to pray that God helps you on this journey. You know, the Bible says faith without works is dead. So I'm going to ask you right now to make a statement of faith in your life. I want you to make a move towards being prayed for today. And you know what happens when you do that? You're, you Then you become accountable to somebody. So if you're here today and you say, I'm struggling in my faith. Or I just need somebody to pray for me. I want to go deeper in my faith. I want to get back on track again. I want you to get out of your seat right now. I want to pray for you right now. Anybody in this room, you need to get out of your seat and come today and say, yes, man, that's me. I want you to get out of your seat. I'm struggling with my faith. I need to get back on track with my faith. I want you to take that step. Faith without works is dead. So the works right now is I'm taking a step to be prayed for. I'm taking a step to be prayed for. Anybody else, you come quickly.